Hey everyone, it's episode 3 of the Pop Culture Grab Bag, where we subject ourselves to the good, bad, and weird in the world of pop and geek culture. I'm Tim Nacy, a reporter for Viewpoints, and I've got another great show for you this week. First, I'll be introducing you to one of my favorite B-movies, a tournament story from 1989 called Arena, about a human who gets involved in a professional fighting ring that's dominated by super-powered aliens. Then, keeping with that theme, I have a jam-packed panel in the metaphorical studio to talk about the movie adaptation of one of the most famous tournament fighters of them all, Mortal Kombat. We have a lot of ground to cover this time, so let's get right to it. Released in 1989 and directed by Peter Manoogian, Arena stars Paul Satterfield, who you might remember as the weatherman of Bruce Almighty. Steve lives on a space station that primarily supports itself by hosting a famous fighting competition simply called The Arena. In The Arena, various creatures from all over the galaxy face each other in what are essentially MMA bouts. A computer called the Handicapper shines a beam on each of the fighters to keep any special powers or super strength they might have in check and ensure that the fighter's skill is what is on most prominent display. Steve is the first human in over 50 years to compete in the arena, and he finds that the sport has become infested with corruption. As he works his way up the ladder, a local crime boss named Rogor tries all he can to keep his champion, Horn, on top. The story of this film, much like the main topic of this episode, isn't really anything to bog ourselves down in. If you've ever watched a boxing movie, you've seen this story. What really sets it apart from other sports movies, though, is the gleeful B-movie camp. The most striking thing is the amount of love and care that was put into, this, into the creature effects, which are done through a combination of stuntmen in suits, prosthetics, and animatronics. If you're a fan of Power Rangers or Kaiju movies, you'll feel right at home here. Arena is a movie that I'm not sure if I can really recommend to everyone, seeing as it's very corny and over the top, and I can totally understand how that kind of thing could grate on someone's nerves. But if you're looking for a corny sports movie that'll make you laugh while expertly getting you on its side with its goofy, low-budget charms, by all means, give it a shot. You can find Arena streaming for free with ads on YouTube. I'll leave a link in the show notes. But now, it's time to get to the fighting tournament that you actually want to hear about. Mortal Kombat needs no introduction. Along with Street Fighter and Super Smash Bros, it stands as one of the most iconic fighting game franchises of all time. In its early days, along with a wave of other games that were opting for more realistic recreations of humans rather than cartoon mascots, caused a lot of gasping, fainting, and pearl clutching due to its extreme displays of violence. It's been adapted many times, novels, comics, TV shows, card games, and most famously, two big screen releases, Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation in 1995 and 1997, respectively. They were not critically loved, to say the least, but live on as cult classics. The game series has trucked on in the intervening years, but the film franchise has been mostly dormant outside of a few direct-to-DVD releases throughout the 2000s and 2010s. The latest attempt to bring this iconic arcade fighter to the big screen arrived in April 2021. It was directed by Simon McCoyd and stars Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, Ludi Lin, and Joe Taslam. As always, I'll stop right here to remind you that we're going to be diving deep into spoilers for Mortal Kombat. There's not really a lot of plot to speak of, but some of the violence is wild, gleeful, and in my opinion, best experience as a surprise. So if spoilers bother you, feel free to set this episode down and come back when you've seen the movie. We won't hold it against you. That being said, let's introduce the panel. Joining me again after our Godzilla vs. Kong discussion are fellow Viewpoints reporters Jonathan Ramirez and Tyrese Blue. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Good. Glad to be back. All good. Uh, also joining us is our multimedia editor, Daniel Hernandez, who actually was here for our Godzilla vs. Kong discussion, but as a shadowy presence in the corner of the room. How you doing, Daniel? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. All right, so let's get right into it. Um, how do you guys feel about video game movies in general? Do you have any favorites or least favorites? 
I've never had much like many favorite like video game movies. Probably the only one I can think of is probably Doom, but I only love Doom so much because of how bad it is. But they usually tend to be very awful. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. just in my opinion. Like they just it just seems like the video game industry does not seem to get vid- the video gamers. And it kind of comes off as sometimes an insult or a slap in the face to the fans that consume the video games and they want to see it portrayed well on the big screen. But it they always end up feeling disappointed in the end. That's definitely a real factor. Why, why do you guys think that Hollywood can't really seem to figure these out? Personally, I just believe that all of the people who were creating these uh, big video game movie franchises, they just didn't understand... Uh, the movie, they didn't understand the franchises that they were working off of. They didn't actually dive deep or they didn't grow up playing Sonic the Hedgehog or uh, playing Super Mario Brothers or Ratchet and Clank the same way that we did or the same way that the producers and the filmmakers who, who are making these movies now did, you know? And I feel that they were just kind of old and out of touch with the younger generations. Yeah, they don't understand this medium. They might be a little afraid of it, honestly. So let's get into Mortal Kombat. How did you guys feel about this movie? Did you feel that it properly captured the vibe of the game? I think it did. I think it had all the little flavors to it. All the little Mortal Kombat, like, essential flavors of just the flawless victory or the fatality kind of announcements that you would hear. And you would you basically get to see the, some of these fatalities happen. Not very many. And it just, from start to finish, you're just getting Mortal Kombat vibes. Yeah, yeah, when Kung Lao actually said flawless victory, like, basically to the camera, that just wrecked me. I was done. I had to, like, pause the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was laughing pretty hard when he did that, too. Uh, So was there too much plot or not enough, did you think? I felt that the plot was very limited, but it's very limited in a good way. I thought the same way, too. I think uh, Mortal Kombat isn't a game like Fallout or... Uh, Skyrim, where there's a lot of story, a lot of context, where you go in and you want to discover the world. Uh, it's not an open world game in any sense. It's a very straightforward. Uh, one guy fights another guy. Uh, whoever wins uh, gets to completely wreck the other guy and you know kill the person. And we're all there for the blood and and the gore aspect of it. For and sure. um, there isn't, you know, that's what we're there for. That's why we love Mortal Kombat. And it doesn't need too much of a plot. And it doesn't need to say too much other than this is a lot of fighting. This is what you're here for. That, that, that was something that kind of that rankled me a little bit about this movie was that the movie is called Mortal Kombat, but Mortal Kombat didn't happen. Were you guys disappointed like I was in that? Or does it make you more excited for the sequel? I was pretty disappointed. I was expecting a full on tournament. A tournament system like where like there's brackets involved and i i was just really ho- like that's what i signed up for when i first walked into the theater but i didn't exactly get that i got a uh another chosen a chosen one kind of prophecy kind of hero's tale maybe we should stop for a second um and and explain to any audience members what's going on here um mortal kombat is and i am not qualified to talk about this at all but mortal kombat essentially is this sort of cosmic tournament um it's more like a multi-dimensional tournament where beings from different worlds come to this, um, come together to essentially just brutalize and eventually kill each other. And whichever realm's team wins, they get to decide which realm they get to take over and like enforce their will upon. Yeah, and the protectors of each of those realms choose their fighters. So let's talk to you about the characters then. Uh, 
Do you guys feel that Cole was a necessary addition to this movie? No, I mean, I understand that he's supposed to introduce the audience to, uh, or the unfamiliar audience into the story, but he was just so boring. He didn't have like, any personality, I can't say. Like, I can't name a one personality trait of him other than him being lost all the time. Yeah, that is, that, that's generally the point of that kind of character. He's an audience cipher, and I have no patience for that trope. Because, yeah, he has no personality on purpose because you're supposed to put your own personality, you're supposed to project it onto him. And that, I, I never do that. That That's not something that I do. I'm here to watch somebody else's story, not impose my own. So give me a character. So yeah, I was not personally a fan of Cole in case there was any question about that. <laughs> well, his only personality trait was really to want to take care of his family. And I feel like that was very shoehorned in to kind of force the audience to kind of feel for this character and want to care for this character. His family came off as a plot device and not actually characters. And that's another thing I don't have a whole lot of patience for in movies. I can't say that his performance was bad. There was one moment in the movie where Sub-Zero trapped his, uh, his family in this like cage of ice and then like they're just frozen. And then you just see him beating that like that ice cage and like you could i could i just bought it like it just that that intense feeling of wanting to save somebody i just felt it so i really felt that he was a great actor but like the point but like the writing is where it lacked didn't hold true to justice to his overall performance yeah he wasn't given a whole lot to do even though he was really good uh so i i know that i'm the one who has a super aggressive hang-up about audience ciphers so did the rest of you think that he was well executed as an audience cipher uh i thought he was okay he doesn't do a very much he doesn't do a very good job at like the traditional audience cipher of keeping us up to date on what's going on or us like making us interested in the lore itself because the lore like the lore itself is pretty much just cut and dry in the in like the movie but and like not only that like when you compare it just seems like he was very it was very uncreative the direction he they went with him because if you look at just even looking at his okana compared to everyone else's you have like cabal who has this like like speedster style like the flash like ability to run super fast then you have kano who has a laser eye and then you have sonya blade who can shoot these scion energy beams but then you have like cole here and then we're just like uh let's give him a nice shirt yeah, he's got a metal sweater <laughs> <laughs> that makes him real strong. Like it looks like a Christmas sweater, honestly, to me. It was a tad silly. Yeah, I think Cole served his purpose for world building and just kind of allowing the casual viewer, the person who isn't a huge Mortal Kombat fan, the person who isn't my best friend, who we went to go watch the movie with. Like he went dressed up and and as a Mortal Kombat character, and he was really excited. Uh, Cole was created for for the exact opposite of that person as a, as a character being used to introduce the casual viewer the casual audience member into the world I think he served his purpose well so did you guys have any attachments to the first two Mortal Kombat movies from 95 and 97 I have the same amount of attachments the same way that I have like the same attachment to most like nostalgically bad things but I just love to watch but it's still real. it's like for example like annihilation like the from start to finish the story is just very corny but like i i i, I very i i can rewatch that movie like over and over again 
So there's a Mortal Kombat Annihilation for me. Yeah, I actually have never seen either of those all the way through. I've, I'm I'm like a total novice to, to Mortal Kombat. I played my first Mortal Kombat game like a week and a half ago, like just in, to prep for this podcast. I didn't really get much out of it that I could talk about here. But yeah, I I, I, did, I never I never watched the movies, never watched any of the TV shows, never played any of the games, so I have no idea what's going on. But I do know from the outside that those first two Mortal Kombat movies are definitely regarded as um, cult classics. And I know that a lot of people do complain about how those movies were kind of nerfed. So that's one thing I feel for sure, is that the, the, the hard R rating and the faithful violence was something that was a real improvement upon what I've seen of those original ones. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Those uh, first two movies, I personally, you know, I watched them uh, about a week before uh, watching the this Mortal Kombat movie. And I personally really, uh, you know, I enjoyed it from an aspect of kind of just watching it just to have fun. And just watching it to have a good laugh, to have a, a good goof uh, with all your friends. And But at the same time, I, was, I also felt like those original movies, uh, I also did personally feel that they were a little bit outdated to today's culture and a little bit, you know, disrespectful to the movie franchise. I felt like it kind of made fun of Mortal Kombat and it was very kind of just, like we said earlier, making fun of the genre. They didn't understand the movies whatsoever. They didn't understand the the IP. But now with this one, I really felt, you know, really happy watching it because it felt like an actual proper representation of the franchise itself. And it felt that it felt like they actually had a lot of love and care for the franchise. And it felt that they really wanted to not only represent the characters well, but I also felt like they had a proper representation of the AAPI community within this movie. Unlike the other one, um, in the old movies, they had Lord Raiden as some old white dude with a scraggly beard and he went around and just kind of pretended to be this wise old Asian character. And a lot of the characters that were supposed to be uh, Asian and had like Asian names, they were, you know, replaced with white people. And and with this one, they actually had a faithful recreation of, of everything that they were supposed to do. And I felt uh, really happy towards that with this movie. I was going to say, uh, yeah, it really felt like it was a, movie, a video game movie that was actually made by fans of the video game itself. For the first time in a long time. Yeah, Hollywood's Hollywood's been on a roll with that lately, actually, because there have been things. I mentioned in my uh, review that I did for Viewpoints that things like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and the Angry Birds movie, they actually seem to be made by people who grew up with this medium and actually seem to understand that, yes, it's different from a movie, but all you have to do is take the story and turn it into a feature-length event and everything will be fine. We also need to talk about the guy who kind of carried this movie on his back, Josh Lawson as Kano. Oh yeah, he was funny from start to finish. <laughs> there was that one scene where he, uh, everyone, where Kung Lao was pissing him off, and then that's how he awakened his Okana. And I was just floored. I was just, <laughs> I thought it was so funny the way he just kind of made fun of everyone else's. Okana compared to his. Yeah, I, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to quote him when he like fired off his first laser beam, but we got in trouble for that last time, so I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the line you're talking about. 
Everybody, yeah, just watch, watch, watch that one scene. Look up, look up the egg roll scene from Mortal Kombat if you don't feel like watching it. It's excellent. It is just impeccable. Excellent cinema. <laughs> that's how you get video game. That's how you get comedy done right in video game movies. I feel. I feel like they took it to the next level with that scene. It was very good. That was that. That was definitely my favorite thing. Although speaking of next level, though, we should also get into elaborate more. We talked, we touched a little earlier on the violence, but we really do need to have a conversation about the violence in this movie, which I felt was just beautifully done, both in terms of like special effects and in terms of tone. The scene where uh, Kung Lao killed Natara, you know, the succubus lady, that was crazy. It felt like Army of Darkness. <laughs> You can actually do that in one of the games. You can actually just throw your head, like, hat down and then just saw someone, like, in half after you, like, for a fatality. So they actually put a whole fatality in the game. and in, in the movie, I mean. So I thought it was pretty cool. I loved, like, the fact that they put so much detail, like, on the insides. It looked like, I'm not sure if, like, the insides or, like, the, like, the guts itself was, like, super CGI. But, like, it looked really meaty and gross. I was pretty pleased with it. <laughs> in the most disturbing way possible. There was a lot of, uh, there was, there was a lot more than I would have thought in a big budget movie. There was a lot more practical, like corn syrup blood in this movie. I mean, it, there, there were moments where it was actually kind of disgusting. Like someone's like bleeding from the nose and it was like leaking over their mouth and it looked kind of mucusy and disgusting. <laughs> but you know, it, it was gross. I don't know if I needed to see it, but on another level, I appreciate it because that lent a lot of authenticity. It was very gross. The, uh, seeing all the decapitations there was quite a few too oh yeah were there any were there any specific fatalities any of you guys wish had made the movie fatalities i wish would made. uh i feel like there are specific fatalities that like only jacks can do with his like robot arms that i feel like was very lacking in this movie especially since he just got them i felt like they, they were gonna do something with them you know, when uh, Jax gets his robot arms after they've been, uh, he gets them cut off by Sub-Zero. And I was expecting them, like, as soon as he gets, like, his robot arms, like, he was gonna, just going to have this cool battle scene moment. But he never really got his spotlight. So I was pretty snubbed of that, I think. They're, yeah, they're definitely saving him for later. And honestly, I, I don't know how this movie's doing box office-wise. I hope it does get a sequel because I am definitely titillated. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, I've been burned before. I loved uh, the 2017, I believe, uh, Power Rangers movie, and that never, that never made it. That never made it to the second one. And they they were only Power Rangers for the last 30 minutes. And I feel like if this if this franchise gets cut too, it's it's going to be a double burn. I'm never going to trust the adaptation again. <laughs> I really am hoping for a sequel because I know they uh, tease Johnny Cage, and personally, I love Johnny Cage's. Uh, fatalities and i hope that they do a nod to the babality that johnny cage can do and uh just his wit and everything about him i just i need it so bad like i just like i'm craving it after seeing that little teaser and after them teasing mortal kombat you know the actual mortal kombat that's gonna happen in the sequel like I'm just really hoping that they do it. Speaking of Johnny Cage, and this is in my this is into my notes. This is actually just something I came across in social media. I'm hearing a lot of talk about fans uh, lobbying to get Ryan Reynolds cast as Johnny Cage. How do you guys, as fans of the character, feel about that? Yeah, I don't really like the idea of having Ryan Reynolds as Johnny Cage 
just because I see Ryan Reynolds too much as uh, like Deadpool, you know, and I don't. And for me, uh, I see him as this kind of fourth wall breaking character. He's also going to do another movie called Bodyguard. And uh, he fits these roles where uh, they're just supposed to be kind of uh, satirical. He Everybody knows that he's Ryan Reynolds and, and Ryan Reynolds needs to be the star of the movie uh, for any movie to kind of uh, pop off or for anybody to, to enjoy his acting. And if you kind of put uh, Ryan Reynolds in this Johnny Cage role where he's just the, uh, he's just the, the, the butt of the joke or, or he's the, the person who brings this, uh, comedy in the sense of seriousness. Uh, I don't think it'll work too well. I'd rather have someone who's, uh, kind of less A-list than, uh, Ryan Reynolds is. Just because if, if you put, uh, Ryan Reynolds in him, all I want to see is Ryan Reynolds. And it's going to take, his personality and his persona is just going to take over the movie. Yeah, definitely. There, 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 that, that's one thing I really did appreciate about Mortal Kombat is that they seem to go with fighters first, actors second. And that was a very good call because the fight scenes in this in this movie are impeccable. So I, if they were to cast Johnny Cage, I really hope they could go out there and they can find somebody, even if they're a total unknown. I would love for them to find somebody who is a really good like stunt performer, a really good fighter and martial artist, but is also hilarious. Like that, and, like that person could like rip up Hollywood, honestly, if they, if they really kill it in Mortal Kombat. No, I was saying the same thing. I mean, his, I mean, he certainly overshadowed the film. Um, uh, but I can't think of, can't recall like any good actors. But yeah, but but um, what's his what's his name? Uh, Lu Lu King. I think he was really underrated in this film because he's such a big part of the franchise. Like, you didn't see him until they randomly, he, I mean, he doesn't appear until he, you, they randomly come across him in the desert. And yeah, I didn't see, you didn't see him as, as important to the, to the story arc in this film. Okay, uh, we're starting to run a little low on time here. So where would you guys like to, to, to wrap things up a little bit, where would you like to see the series go? Well, first and foremost, I want to actually see Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Preach. <laughs> I want to see more characters. I feel like there's uh, there's a few more that are missing that like are like just like the staple characters. And uh, I just I also want to see um, I want to explore more into Outworld. We would get snippets of it throughout the movie, and like we don't. I want to see it more because they're trying to merge their their realm with our realm. So yeah, some parts. Of, I mean, is is all of Outworld kind of like a is is all of Outworld kind of like a uh, like a like a a barren barren wasteland like that or are there more like lush differently themed parts of that world to my understanding i believe that outworld is a barren wasteland that's constantly re- reverted uh to a barren wasteland because it, the culture of uh outworld is so heavily surrounded war around war they're constantly fighting each other so they're constantly like living in these like like basically these kind of like civiliz like lower civilization kind of like cities uh we need to start uh wrapping things up here so do you guys have anything you'd like to plug well first off i just want to say everybody uh if you'd like to follow me uh the multimedia editor um look up db9 productions on instagram and uh i would also you know definitely want to plug my uh videos that i've created on on viewpoints if you go on youtube and look up uh viewpoints of rcc or if you go to uh viewpoints online 
uh, the website. You can find that anywhere. Just look up Daniel Hernandez and you can find any of my videos there. And I just would love the extra support there. Oh, and I would like to also uh, plug in my uh, latest article that I just wrote. Uh, it's on the front page of the latest issue of the newspaper. Uh, you can look it up on viewpointsonline.org. And also, if you look up any my Jonathan Ramirez and pull up any of my stuff, I would greatly appreciate the support, too. And you could also probably stay tuned and expect a video podcast on the um, on my latest article soon. Um, for me, I'm, I'm into journalism. So... So this is all new for me, but you can find my con content on the Viewpoint's website. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tim. That's N-A-C-E-Y. And keep an eye out for the Mortal Kombat review that I wrote for Viewpoints. Remember to check us out at viewpointsonline.org for all your school and local news needs. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok at RCC Viewpoints. That's all I got for you this time, but check back in another two weeks for another goodie bag filled with pop culture weirdness. I'll see you next time.